we're going to talk about stress and how we need to stress less. How many of you would agree with that? And that's not just for the Christmas season. Come on, somebody. We need to stress less all year long. Right? <laughs> so the holidays can be a wonderful time of year, but they can be a crazy time of the year. 80% of mothers feel overloaded and stressed. How many of you mamas would agree with that? Come on, mamas. I watch you on Facebook. Oh, yeah. These kids about to go see Jesus today. Hashtag pray for me. I see it. But the holidays can be crazy. Uh, did we get enough gifts? Did we get the right gifts? How many of you worried about going over budget? How many of you, you feel the stress of having to be at, at too many family parties? Isn't it amazing how we got to structurally organize whose house we go to for Thanksgiving and then whose house we go to for Christmas. And then you got to remember next year to flip it so that way you can spend Thanksgiving with this family and then Christmas with this family. Is that just my family? No. Okay. Isn't that crazy? So we shouldn't have to manage all that. We shouldn't have to try to figure all that out, but we do. It's a part of it. It's a part of living in a fallen world and being related to imperfect people. You know, because we got it right. I gave y'all a chance to say amen, but you didn't. <clears throat> but it's getting the whole crowd together. It's getting, and then don't even talk about family photos. Come on. How many of you like bought, got a divorce over some Christmas pictures? I mean, it's, it's like, I think we quit taking them. Sure, I hadn't said anything about Christmas pictures, right? Last couple of years, I'm like, because the last time it wasn't good. We were all hangry and trying to take pictures. I mean, you know, that's a death sentence, right? But it's crazy. It's a crazy time. I, I think this morning I was, I was thinking on, and the reason we, we prayed like we did after the worship set was I was thinking about the prophecy that was shared about Jesus 700 years before his birth. Think about this. 700 years before he was born. 700. You can't even fathom that many years. 700 years before he was born, Isaiah prophesied, watch this in verse, chapter 9, verse 6. He said this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't that awesome? God told us what was coming down the road. So if the devil ever tries to tell you that God's not into your future and he's not into what's coming up next in your life and he's unplugged from your life and he's unconcerned about your life, you need to tell the devil to shut up and get your mind right because God was telling the world 700 years before Jesus was born that he was coming. In fact, he said this is what he will be called. Can you wrap your mind around that God has the same plan for your life? Heaven knew you were coming. That's good news. Think, think of Jesus as the counselor today. We all could use a good counselor every now and then, right? Come on. I was hoping G would have said, yes, amen. But she's pretty busy. <laughs> we all could use a good counselor, an advisor, and a consultant, or, or a guide in our lives. And think about sitting in the counselor's chair and Jesus being there with his notebook Listening to you. If the Bible calls him the, the wonderful counselor, then that means he is a counselor. That means he will give you counsel when you need it if you go to him for it. 
<laughs> you don't get no help if you don't ask for it. Amen? He's the wonderful counselor. I think about the things that, that happened around the birth of Christ and, and the stress. And, and some of you may be thinking, man, how can this old book right here help me with stress today? Well, let's, let's look at some of the stress it took to get Jesus on the planet. Uh, think about the, a teenage girl trying to explain to her friends and family that God got me pregnant. Emotional stress. On top of that, she's pregnant out of wedlock. Family stress. Nine months. At nine months of pregnancy, Mary has to travel on a donkey to Bethlehem. On a donkey. Next time you want to complain about your car, think Mary traveled on a donkey. Be grateful. Stress, physical stress. Joseph forgot to book a hotel and they had nowhere to go. Can you say relational stress? She gives birth and there's no epidural and she's in a nasty, dark, smelly place. Can you say physical stress? Then a king is out to kill every child under the age of two in that region and they have to escape to go to Egypt. Jesus was born in stress. Think about it. Think about the pressure Mary carried. How are you going to explain that? Think about the pressure that was on Joseph. Do I, do I, I mean, what the heck's going on here? My, my, my girl I'm, I'm engaged to is pregnant and it wasn't me. And... Right? Lots of stress. The, the traveling, the have to, to being born in a certain place. And, and here's what's crazy is that it all happened to fulfill prophecy. Everything that happened in Jesus' life was there to fulfill prophecy. I think that's incredible. Why did God choose to come this way? I think God chose the messiest scene to send his perfect son to save us from our own mess. I think God's in the business of dealing with mess. Come on, I'm living proof. So let me give you four truths about stress this morning, then I'll give you four biblical things that we can do to handle stress. The first truth is this, is not all stress is harmful. Would you agree with that? Not all stress is harmful. In fact, life would be pretty boring without stress. Some stress. <laughs> you're having a hard time with this one this morning because you're like, you're like, I ain't agreeing to that. <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Not all stress is harmful. Think about it. If you don't go through a little bit of premarital stress, then what's the marriage like? I mean, every girl's dream is to plan their wedding and not have any stress. The problem is, is as soon as you put people in the middle of it, here comes the stress. Right? I think God uses stress in our lives to shape us and mold us and make us. I think sometimes it's the pressure in life that gets us into places that we need to go. I'm thinking Jesus and Mary and Joseph had to escape with Jesus to Egypt because they had to run for their lives because God was moving them into another place. That stress moved them to another place. Not all stress is harmful. We need to find the right amount of stress. You know, it can be, it can be just like tuning a good guitar. If you put too much stress on the string, the string will break. But if you don't have enough stress on the string, 
the note sounds flat, right, Steve? I got that right? Say yes. Okay. He didn't say it. He just put a thumbs up. I was trying to, you know, validate my point. If you put too much stress, you pop the string. If you don't put enough stress, it doesn't sound right. Isn't that like our lives? If there's not enough stress to tune us up a little bit, look at your neighbor and say, you need a little tuning up. You call me stressed, but I'm just here to tune you. <laughs> y'all didn't get that one. Y'all were too busy talking. That's all right. But a balanced amount of stress can actually help you grow in life. Second truth is this. Too much stress is harmful. Can I get an amen? Too much stress is harmful. Excessive stress is extremely, extremely harmful to the human body. Most visits to, the, to a primary care physician are related to stress. 75% of all visits, right, Jesslyn, related to stress. Crazy. 75% related to stress. 70% of people say they live sleep deprived. I'm not in the 70%. <laughs> Your body's giving you warning signs. Long term stress can affect a person's mental state, it can cause anxiety, depression, addictions, overeating, anger, and guilt. Don't sleep for a week and see what happens to you. You're not usually cheerful. You ever, anybody's married to a husband that works plant shift work, like nights sometimes, days sometimes, and they come off of nights, goes in the day. Yeah, you understand? That they'll be funny for a minute. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray for you. <laughs> the third truth is this, is what you perceive to be stressful to you may not be stressful to others. You see, your perception determines what you label as stressful or not stressful. What's stressful to me can, can sometimes not be stressful to Cheryl. And Cheryl will stress over things that I'm like, what the heck you worried about that for? Come on, how many of you would agree with that, with your spouse? Maybe with your best friend. You're stressed. What's wrong with you? I'm so worried about this. Oh, my God. And you're like, you worried about that? Let me flip the coin. We're driving in the traffic. She's sitting over there dozing off. I got veins sticking out of my neck. She's sleeping. I'm stressing. Come on, men. Y'all left me hanging on that one. That's all right. Until you confess it, you don't get healed from it. <laughs> but what we perceive as stressful may not be stressful to other people. The truth number four is this, is there's no such thing as a stress-free life. Amen? There's no such thing as a stress-free life. That's an illusion. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If Jesus said you were going to have trouble and he's called the Prince of Peace, then maybe you can put those two together and say there's going to be some stress in my life. Right? How many of you would agree there's going to be stress in my life? How we manage that stress is up to us. It's up to us. It's up to me how I manage stress. We are traveling to my dad's house the day after Christmas, the morning after. I'm, I know already, 40-something, 45 years old, I think, and, 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 and I, know, I know me, 
I know me. I'm going to want to be in the car at a certain time. I'm going to put pressure on my wife. She's going to be anxious. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to leave the front door open. The devil's going to come running in, cause a big old mess, and we're going to drive to Texas like this. It's happened before. Several times. Right? But it's up to me to manage that stress. It's up to me to be proactive and not, come on somebody, not reactive. I need to be aware that there's going to be stress in my life, so I need to be proactive about it, set myself up for victory and not for defeat. Come on, and I want to help you with that this morning. Is that all right? So from the life of Jesus, I want to show you four things you need to know to manage stress. Number one, we need to know our audience. You need to know your audience. You need to know who's in the crowd. You need to know who your audience is. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, he said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Come on now, this is, this is the first step in putting everything in its proper place. I don't live for you. I used to stand here and preach for you. I used to stand here and preach for your approval. And I used to base, base the quality of my preaching on the, res, the quality of your response. But you've left me hanging so long I had to get over that. <laughs> right? I am serious. I used to preach for your response. I used to preach. I used to pastor for your approval. God helped me build a bridge and get over that. It still wants to come on me. Sometimes I still want to get up here and showboat and, and make you happy and make you loud and make you shout, make you dance, make you leave, make you post something on Facebook. After. Oh, Pastor Jamie was on fire. <laughs> you know what my temptation is? It's to, it's to get home and, and after I eat, everything comes after you eat, right? And then look on Facebook and say, nobody said nothing. I'm joking. We got to know our audience, right? Who do you do what you do for? Who do you do it for? When you serve somebody, when you help somebody, when you reach somebody in their darkest hour, who do you do it for? If you're doing it to get praise of men, you're doing it with the wrong heart. Amen. But if you're doing it to get approval from God, you're doing it because of the relationship with God and you feel validated from God, you don't need validation from people, you do it out of a clear conscience with a good heart and you bless people. Why? Because you want them to experience what you've experienced. Amen? It's not about you anymore. It's about bringing glory to God. You see, it's difficult to follow Christ while you're looking for approval of people. You ever see the little kid following their mom in the mall? And they got one hand and mom's holding the hand and the kid's like. And it poof. 
and they fall, and then they cry, right? And then mom's got to stop. Come on, mamas. Then mom, we're going to pray for mamas. Mama's got to stop. Tatata baby. She's just trying to buy something cheap. That's all she's trying to do with the kid. Isn't that like us sometimes? We're following Jesus, but we're trying to get, we're seeing what people, are they responding to me? Do people like me? Do they like me? Make sense? We've got to know our audience, number one. If you're trying to please the wrong audience, it causes pressure, stress, relational tension, and so on. Number two, we need to know what matters most. What matters? I had this thought last night. It says, give your life to what matters most, and if you have some time left, give it to the other things. What would your world be like if you decided one day to take 10 minutes, figure out what matters most, make that the new priority of your life, and then follow and give all your time, effort, and energy to that, and then say, if I got some left, I'll go do this. Hard to go to the camp if you ain't been investing in your marriage. Ladies, you just dropped the ball on that one. That should have been a hallelujah. I mean, come on, seriously. How can you go do what you want to do if you haven't done what you needed to do? We need to know what matters. It doesn't take long to figure out what matters. I'll give you three of your top, I'll give you your top three right now. You want them real quick? Here's the top three in your, in your priority list. Number one, God. Number two, if you're married, your spouse. Number three, your kids. You get those three right, you're in a good direction already. God, marriage, children. That was worth coming to church for. Because you will fight the biggest part of your fight to keep those three in their rightful place. How do you know, Pastor? Because it's my fight too. There's a lot of things pulling A lot of things that want to say, I'm important, I'm important, I need you, I need you. God, Cheryl, kids, for me. Got to know what matters. Psalms 39.4 says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting is my life. We have the responsibility to set our own priorities and to plan our life. Come on now, look at me. Don't lose me. Listen to me. You have the responsibility to set your priorities and you have the responsibility to plan your life. If you do not or you neglect to set your own priorities and you neglect to plan your life, life will set your priorities and it will also make your plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Amen? And then you'll be caught up in this constant battle of being like the world, being like the flow, staying in the flow of the world. I got to do what the world says to do. I got to get my hair cut short if I'm a dude. I got to get my hair cut short. I'm like, dude, somebody get a different haircut. Thank you, Drake, for getting a different haircut. It's like you get into the church world. They're all wearing skinny jeans. And, and I'm like, I don't want to be in that flow. 
if my jeans are skinny, it's because I put on a little weight. I ain't buy them skinny. Cheryl, Cheryl dried them. She dried them. You know it, she dried them. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Lord, help me. We try to help you with that at our Savior's Church. We, we ask you to come through next step. And next step, we're going to take you on four steps. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. All that is designed to help you put in place what matters most in your life. Amen? We don't go home with you. Right? I don't, I don't stay at your house and say, no, 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 T-boy. You just put your wife second. You need to put it back up. We don't do that, right? But we equip you to do that. Amen? Number three, you need to know when to rest. Now, you're going to shout me down on this one because you're like, oh, yeah, I need some rest. You need to know when to rest. You see, you need to learn to live with healthy life rhythms and patterns. I don't know if you realize this, but life happens in rhythms and in patterns. I know for me recently, the, the, the biggest struggle has been to stay in a certain rhythm. Stay in my lane, do what I do, do what I've been called to do. Don't go too far this way, too far that way. Stay in my rhythm because in, if I stay in the rhythm that God has for me and the pattern that God has for my life, then I'm going to stay right there where I need to be with him and I'm going to get it right more than I'm getting it wrong. Amen. I'm going to have some peace in my life. I'm going to have less stress because I get stressed out when I start wanting to do what I want to do and not what God wants to do. It's a, it's a funny thing that happens, but when I get lined up and I get in God's rhythm for my life and I find the rhythm and I find the pattern, there seems to be less stress. This is really hard when you're young because you're so ambitious and you got so much energy and so much drive. You're just like, Rah! I got to go do something. Teenage boys, Ethan's going through there right now. He wants to conquer the world. I'm like, son, find your rhythm. Find your rhythm. I want your rhythm. He doesn't say it like that, but I can see it building up inside. I recognize it. Right? I want to stay where I belong. Stay where I belong. I don't have to be somebody else. If I try to dance to somebody else's rhythm, it's going to look weird. (laughs) You ever try to dance to somebody they were on your feet more than they were on the floor? We've got to know when to rest. All of us have different schedules and rhythms in our lives. Discover your rhythm and find places to rest in it. And you've got to know this. It's going to change in seasons. Look at me. Life comes in seasons, especially if you've got children. It definitely comes in seasons. You've got the, the, the nursing season. <laughs> you've got the getting out of diaper season. You've got the keeping them out of the cabinet season. Then you got the one day they can finally bathe themselves season and you got victory. Then you got the, they can dress themselves season, right? And you think, oh, life is so good. Then you got driver's license season. Come on. And then you got their leaving the house and going to make real decisions. Oh my God. Season. <laughs> Life's going to happen in seasons and seasons are going to change, but you need to keep your rhythm. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your rhythm. Find it and keep it. Stop trying to do what everybody else is doing and do what God's called you to do. You'll live a happier life.
I used to get so frustrated because I spent most of my 30s trying to put everybody in boxes. I had about 50 employees, and I spent all my time trying to make everybody do things a certain way, and I tried to put them in my box I tried to make my whole company go in my rhythm and I tried to make this and I would, even in the church world, I tried to make people, man, you need to, why aren't you resting now? You need to be resting now. And, why, and I tried to do this even with my family sometimes and I was stressed out because I'm trying to make everybody else fit into my rhythm. And I had to go one day, stop. You find your rhythm. And when you get a chance to rest, rest. I was raised in the old construction mindset. We had a, we had a nine o'clock morning break. We had a 12 o'clock break and we had a three o'clock break. And my life went that way. I ate my lunch in less than 30 minutes because I only had 30 minutes to eat lunch. I'm a trained professional, but seriously, you, you get shaped into this mold that you got to start going a certain direction and doing a certain thing. And if you're not careful, people and the world will put you into a rhythm that you don't belong in. If you're not careful, people will put you in a position, your career, your work, your job will put you in a life rhythm that you don't necessarily need to have. You know why you get stressed out when you take on too much? Because it knocks you out of your rhythm. That's why we don't say yes to everything. And by the way, not every every good thing is a God thing. (laughs) Oh, well, that's good. Let's go do that. Mm -hmm. Time out. What's it going to cost me? It's going to cost me rest. I've come to the point now where I go, okay, you know what? If I'm tired, I'm going to take a nap. I'm tired of fighting it. I've been like the kid my whole life that never wanted to take a nap. You remember that kid? Couldn't mamas, you couldn't put him down for a nap for nothing. Now I go, you know what? If I'm tired, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I've realized this is, this is my body. God put this inside of me to tell me you need rest. Go find it and rest. Making sense? Listen to Mark chapter 6, verse 31 from the message translation. Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. Jesus knew how to find places to rest. He knew how to manage the stress. He knew when to say no to what he needed to say no to. Amen. And by the way, you got to know who put in the, the Ten Commandments to rest. Who put that in there? God did, right? God put in the Ten Commandments, take a day of rest, rest on the Sabbath, right? If God rested, I'm trying to give you an excuse to get a nap this afternoon. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm like, you're not taking it. God said, baby, we got to be obedient to the word. You ain't never been obedient to the word till today. Here's the truth. If you don't take a break, you will break. Right? Proverbs 17:22 says this, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Let me encourage you with something. During this season, the next week or so, I don't know what your plans are, your schedule is. Go ahead and set yourself up. Go ahead and prepare yourself to spend some time with people. What if 
you go ahead and you just put some allowance in there for people like the scriptures say. I'm going to Christmas over here. I know what they're going to say. I know how they're going to act. I know what Momo's going to say about my, about my sweet potatoes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, by now it should be predictable, right? Go ahead and make an allowance for that, but plan for yourself to go there and create some space and rest. Not take a nap. <laughs> rest and visit a little bit. You remember the old saying? Take off your shoes and stay a little while. What if we go to Christmas with that attitude? I'm going to come over here. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. I'm not going to get caught up in a competition with everybody. Talking about my kid did this. My kid made the honor. I'm not going to do that. Come on. I'm going to sit down, take my shoes off, rest, and work on the relationship. I've never been that kind of guy naturally. I've all, I'm, I'm a work task kind of person. I'm not so much a people person, but my wife is an extreme people person and she loves to visit and hang out. I've had to learn how to stop long enough to visit with people. And this is what I've discovered when I do that. When I do that, God even takes me just sitting still long enough and talking with people about whatever to reset my mind. To put things back into focus. You ever experience that? Where you go, you know what? I just took, man, I know I'm in a hurry. I know we got to be at the next party. I know we got to be here. We got to do this. But you know what? Let's just, let's not waste this moment with this family. Make sense? So know when to rest. Last point. You need to know your lifeline. Know your lifeline. You need to make and keep the habit of, of a personal de- devotional life. We see, it, we see it continually with Jesus. Jesus constantly got away from the crowd. He got away from the disciples. He would get up early in the morning. You got to find your time. Come on. I even used to tell people, if you ain't getting up before the sun's coming up, you're not spending time with Jesus. I've learned that some of us do better at night. Find your time, get, get your space, get away from the crowd, spend some time with Jesus because you need to know your lifeline. You need to be connected to your lifeline. Mark one thirty five says this, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to what? To pray. What does that mean? To talk to God. You don't get graded on your prayers. Come on. It's not a test. Just talk. The greatest prayers I have is when I say, Lord, my foot hurts. Can you heal it? Lord, they said something that hurt me. Can you help me? Make sense? Know your lifeline. Prayer and meditation on God's word are huge stress relievers. Prayer is a God-given tool for letting go of your anxieties. The Bible's clear about that. If you'll tell him what you need, he'll take away the anxiety from you. Getting along with God is the best decompression chamber in your life. Amen? Listen to these words in Matthew 11. Jesus said, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely, watch this, and lightly. Isn't that good? What's Jesus doing? He's inviting us to come and do life with him. Why? Because in doing life with him, we'll discover the rhythm and grace of God. Come on, you got to get this this morning. Don't, don't bail out on me. I know you, you're fading on me fast, but listen to me. If you spend time with Jesus, you discover his rhythm and his grace. When you discover his rhythm and his grace, you can better line up with it. When you better line up with it, stress tends to lessen. Amen? You don't discover his rhythm and his grace by accident. He's, he's given us an invitation in that verse. He's saying, come with me. That's the old take my yoke upon your, your back verse. He says, come with me. Do it with me. It's an invitation to do life with Jesus. And as you spend time with him and do life with him, you discover his rhythm and his grace. Come on, this is, this is how you fast forward your growth. <laughs> it shouldn't take too long. If you want to grow, I'm just saying, if you want to grow. Jesus is saying, watch how I do it. How many of you got a vehicle? Raise your hand. Everybody has a vehicle, except teenagers. You know your car runs on gasoline or diesel, right? But you know there's something more important than that, right? It's oil. You can put gas in it, but if there's no oil, it's not going to go very far. Right? Oil is what keeps the engine from burning up. It keeps it from overheating and breaking things and cracking things and burning out seals and gaskets. The oil is what keeps the temperature right. The oil is what keeps the engine running smooth. The condition of the oil determines the condition of the engine. That's why they tell us they recommend to change it every 3,000 miles. I love these new vehicles because now we can actually go 7,000 miles. They've been suckering us for years. I'm just mad about that. Your devotional life with Jesus, listen to me clearly. Your devotional life with Jesus, your prayer time, your Bible time, your talking to him time, your hanging out, worshiping him time, is the oil in your engine. If you don't keep it at high quality, your engine will not be at high quality. Your life will not be at high quality if your devotional life with Jesus is not at high quality. Come on, I want to put a little pressure. You're not studying your Bible to be a preacher. You're not trying to be a theologian. You're reading your Bible to understand Jesus better, to get some directions and some instruction. You're praying to stay connected with him and to get some direction. Right? To maybe even get reminded of who you are and who the world is and who he is. It's always good. I mean, I wish I could call my mom someday. She's been gone for a long time. I wish there was days I could just call her and say, hey, mom. Right? But I've always got that connection with God and with Jesus. My devotional life is the oil in my engine. That is true for every one of us. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. It's your devotional life. 
Amen? So here's the fight. To not let what's going on around you mess up the oil in you. Come on. Sunday mornings are a good oil change sometimes, right? The worship set this morning, the time of prayer afterwards, for me, good oil change. It was a good, God put some things in priority, restructured some things, reminded me of who I am and who he is. Good, good, good. But I still got tomorrow. Still got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I can't hang on Sunday alone. Sunday's good, but it ain't that good. Right? Four ways to handle stress. Know your audience, who you're trying to please. Know what matters. Spend your time on what matters most. Know when to rest. Find your rhythm. And number four, know your lifeline. Amen? 